0: season seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's the report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well Al, another exciting week in athletics. Baseball is happening. The games are really starting to matter for some in the National Basketball Association. And as we always say on this show, nobody circles the wagons quite like the National Football League, which manages to make itself some form of story seemingly 52 weeks out of the year. It's incredible the way they're able to pull this off, the way they're able to schedule things. And move things around and leak things at the right time. So the sports media world is just centered and focused like the eye in Lord of the Rings on the NFL. God forbid we get any time off from talking football. So we'll start there for everybody listening in. Get excited because the other day was the release of the 2021-22 schedule. And I'm interested where the NFL views the importance of this day because it's a thrilling day for football fans for whatever reason to find out what teams they're playing. I wonder if there was this much excitement now 80 to 90 years ago when the baseball schedules used to get released. Like did everybody in the town gather at the tavern around the radio? The bartender had a chalkboard behind the bar. Jotting down the local team, whoever they were playing for the 154 games. I hope there was that much excitement back when baseball was America's pastime, as there is now for the NFL, because you can't escape it. And it starts early in the day with leaks, either by the teams that are playing, by the reporters covering those teams, by the national media. You start getting the leaks. Here's who's playing opening day. Here's who's playing the first Sunday. Here's the first Monday night game. Here's a great matchup come week four. And then at the end of it all, when you basically know exactly who your team is playing for all the teams in the league, they have a schedule show where they release it all all the NCAA tournament
1: bracket. Why? <laughs> who's watching this? It's literally like time stops. I am at a loss to explain where this came from. We are football crazy. There's no doubt about it. The NFL is king. But th- this notion—certain you know, hosts, you know, what game are you going to travel to go see? You know, when are you going to plan to go away on vacation? You know, you want to see when the bye week is so you can plan your vacation around because your team is not playing. I mean, are, are you kidding me? Are you joking? I love football. I love the NFL. I love watching it on TV. I don't go anymore. You couldn't pay me to go to a game. My father, God rest his soul, said literally, literally 50 years ago that this game was invented for your living. room. The best place to watch any game is on your couch in the comfort of your living room with your 26 inch color TV at that point in time. And we all know what that is morphed into. First of all, if you are an NFL fan, you know, already what 10 of your games are going to be, you know, already, because you're going to play everybody in your division twice. Well, let's do the math. All right. Last time I checked, that's six, And you know, you're going to rotate. Who's next up this year for us in the other conference? Who did we play last year? Who did we play the year before? Who we played the year before? Okay, it's our turn to play the NFC West. Because the last three years we played the South, the North, excuse me, the East, okay, the Central, the North and the South. So now it's time for the West. How hard is it? So that means seven games. That's Seven games are the big mystery. You already know 10 of them. I see the Ravens schedule, like, oh, well, you know, uh, all right. Obviously, it was our turn to play. the. So, turn to play, you know, the North. I knew that was coming. I got my six, you know, against Cincinnati and Pittsburgh late. That's the way they're doing it this year. And the Brownies, okay. Who else have I got? Well, I don't have New England for the first time since... The- of course, Tom Brady's gone now. I feel like I don't have New England. Although I had him last year. Somehow, someway, even though... The Ravens aren't in first place. They always get to play the Chiefs now. And they're going to play the AFC West and your team. And they're going to play the Dolphins. And they're going to play one more game in the NFC this year against the Rams. So that's my schedule. Pretty tough. Got to live with it. But it's tough. Because it's not going to change. And the NFL is more changeable. Year to year, to me, that's the way they have it. It's the way they structure it, with the draft, with the salary cap. You can go from awful to good, unless you're the Jets, quickly. You can go from awful to good, you know, unless you're the Jags, quickly. Uh, you can go from awful to good, unless you're the Lions, quickly. So, you never know what game is an automatic win. Your schedule may look like fifteen and two written all over it, and then you look back and say, "Well, I, I, wait a second; those guys are much tougher than I thought." Or you catch you may be off the bye week. You may be traveling three weeks in a row. Catch team off the bye week. You may be banged up, and they're healthy as a horse. You know, you do, you never know in the National Football League. So this notion that you know the schedule is all knowing, all seeing, and that people are up. You know, at night, waiting for the doors to open so they can go in and get the new Christmas toy, which is the NFL schedule. To me, it boggles the mind. And I'm like, who look, the NFL? I love my Sundays. My Thursday nights aren't as good as they used to be. They Actually, they shock Monday nights, nothing wrong with to be it Used to be an event. Monday night football was a religion with Howard Cosell. All you talked about on Tuesday was Howard Cosell on Monday. So I used to fight with Mike Francesa where he used to say, nobody listens for the announcers. Everybody listens for the announcer on Monday night when it was Howard Cosell. Because everybody had to talk on Tuesday about not just the game, but what Howard Cosell said on Monday night. It's the one exception where people listen for the announcer. Now everybody's vanilla. Everything's the same. And it's become homogenized totally and completely. We're pointing to all the big games. Obviously, Brady and Belichick can't wait, but the biggest regular season game in the history of the league, I think that might be a bit much. A bit let's wait and see where the teams are, also. How big a game is it if they're two and two and one and three? Or they're both 1-3, and three and one's 0-4, oh and, and the other's 4 no, How big game is it? 3-0 and 0-3. Oh and, and oh and how big game is it? It's going to be a big game, absolutely. Fun game, interesting game, just because of the interplay of Brady without Belichick. Soon, another Super Bowl. Belichick without Brady. Train wreck, not even the playoffs. But it's probably because of the old report. It's probably because I'm not fanatical as I used to be. But even when I was your age, you know, I wasn't bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and wide-eyed for the, scale, the, the schedule to come out. You play who you play. They rotated each year with in a conference. And you know if you finished in first place, you can have a first-place schedule. And if you didn't, Like the Ravens, you're still going to have a tough schedule because you always do. I feel like
0: the old report in that, I also don't care when the schedule gets released. It seems like I'm alone, mostly on that train, for not tweeting about it and getting excited and circling on the calendar. Oh, I can't wait for this one and that one and this Monday night matchup. Because as you mentioned, we don't know what these teams are going to look like necessarily when they play, nor do we know what some of these teams are going to look like
1: just in general.
0: Look at you, give you Green a Bay Packers. Example:
1: I fell into that trap last year, and you know what game I pointed to? I pointed to my Ravens against the Cowboys, who I thought had a great chance to go to the Super. Which, if memory serves me correct, was a Monday night game. And we know what happened to the Cowboys. We know that they forgot to feel the defense. And I think that game was, you know, 97 to 14. So, you just, you, you can't, it's like trying to gamble on the NFL. You can't figure this stuff out. There's a reason. The reason is there's humans, there's a football that's the only sport where it's not round, the ball's not round, it takes incredibly funny bounces, and you don't know what's going to happen from week to week. So to try and project that week 14 is going to be the game of the year, now, if you can get excited about the way they've structured the interdivisional matchups, of course, again, citing back to my team, that they finished the year Basically, with the Steelers and the Browns, which is cool. I'd like it a little more spread out, but that's okay. That's the way you want to do it. I don't like playing anybody in the NFL again quickly. I don't like playing the same team twice in three weeks. Doesn't matter where it is. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter the division. Doesn't matter the team. Doesn't matter if Train Lane is playing. Okay? Doesn't matter who it is. I like to have those division games spaced out a little bit. You want to finish in your division, everybody. Of course, that's great. You want to finish with all division games last three four weeks. That's all great. But I don't like, you know, the Ravens playing the Steelers two of the last three weeks, or the Rams playing the Niners two of the last three weeks, or your Broncos playing the Chiefs two two of the last four weeks. Spread those two sims out a little bit. You know, seven eight weeks apart. If you can, there's always going to be problems you know, for everybody to be that way, but nicer if they're a little spinner.
0: Well, you can, you can at least see who sucks in the eyes of the national football league. Now I don't know for certain how late slash early these schedules need to be finished. I don't know if they're able to wait till the last second to get these in. I highly doubt it. I'm assuming that as soon as the final whistle blows, After the Super Bowl is over, the nerds start getting in their computer rooms to figure these out. And they're basically set in stone at least a couple months leading up into this. They'll probably wait for the draft and then finalize exactly what they want to see happen because there's going to be a couple different storylines based on where some of the higher-end quarterbacks go, etc. But you can see just on paper... Who Sam
1: sucks. Donald, the Carolina, Carolina, and the
0: Jets. Perfect example. Perfect example of a team who sucks in the eyes of the National Football League is mine, the Denver Broncos. For the first time in almost three decades, they don't even sniff a Monday night football game. We're not hearing Carrie Underwood or whoever comes out to sing. Sorry, she's Sunday night. We're not hearing any of that this year. We got one primetime game. When Peyton Manning played with the Broncos, you'd have swore every game was on somewhere on primetime TV. And you would
1: think they would find a way to just in case, just in case, right? Just in case Aaron Rodgers is a Bronco. You would think they would try and sneak him in on one Monday night against the chiefs.
0: Conversely, the Packers have a tie with several other teams, obviously with five primetime games right out of the gate playing the saints. Did I miss something? Is drew Brees coming back? Jason Hill. Are we going to watch potentially Jordan love and Taysom Hill? Why would you set yourself up for that in week one? Even if it is Aaron Rodgers, who
1: cares about famous Taysom J- Hill? famous J- famous, J- famous eye test with the new eyes. Can he throw it to the right guys? Gold helmets, gold helmets. James.
0: We don't know how much time they have again. But you would think they would might maybe be careful. Now, the flex of the schedule starts, what, week 12, week 13, where you can move things around. So there's plenty of time for them to do that.
1: I obviously. flex every morning. Yeah. Every morning I flex. Obviously. 148 pounds of sinewy steel and sexy. You have to. You're Got not to that me. old yet. Got to. So they could
0: fix things in a sense and we know with injuries that's going to happen it always happens every year it happens which is another reason why there's no reason to obsess over the schedule but if you want to obsess on who sucks in the eyes of the NFL it's the Broncos it's the Jets the Lions the Jaguars which I was half surprised about with Trevor Lawrence being there in the Urban Meyer storyline but I understand it The Bengals, the Texans, the Panthers, the Falcons. What a list to be a part of. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old
1: report. Now, while we're on that topic, of teams that are going to suck and one you just mentioned uh, even though they have a a terrific quarterback and I'm asking from a a, uh, insider perspective that you have since you are working for a network have you gotten any fresh take info input etc on the progress of the proceedings Other than what we read in Houston and anything with respect to the NFL's position, which I have not heard any change in it uh, with respect to the Houston, at least for now, quarterback, who is facing, is it 20, 22, 22, 23 charges, uh, not criminal charges. Twenty-two cases, civil cases, slash complaints of various types of sexual assault, and we have not seen any criminal filings, indictments, etc., or charges filed yet. And have you heard any rumblings from any of your NFL contacts, uh, etc., in regard to Anything new that's come out with respect to potential criminal charges, charges being dropped, withdrawn, settlements, anything. Because it's been very quiet on that front.
0: No, it's it's been quiet really since the the Rogers stuff happened and and another topic that we'll briefly touch on that sports media has decided to spend entire shows talking about like it's eight or nine years ago, Al. I think you can get that tease. But it has cooled off regarding Deshaun Watson, and I I don't know exactly why that is. Because this is one of the
1: most intriguing scenarios in sports, across sports, that we've seen in an incredibly long time. Because remember, those of us who have short memories, I do not. But many do because of the retention span in these day and age of those in your genre is that of a firefly. But the point is, it seems like it was just a couple weeks ago when this was one of the best quarterbacks in football who was refusing to play another down for his team and saying, despite the fact they had to sit down with a new coach, his days with Houston are done. Between ownership. Management, you know, his wide receiver being gone without consulting, his former coach and GM, ownership is done. And shortly thereafter, well, this was all the main story of what were they going to do with Deshaun Watson. Everything with respect to Deshaun Watson playing elsewhere obviously has stopped for obvious reasons because you can't possibly trade for him because you'll never know when he can play for you. So how do you put any kind of fair value on what he's worth. The draft is come and gone. So the notion of draft choices being an, an immediate bargaining chip and impact is gone. And the entire thing has become a fascination between what is this quarterback's future on and off the field and where will it take place? When will this end? that he will be an active NFL quarterback again, if ever. And where will he be an NFL quarterback? And this is, I think you can legitimately say a a top half dozen. And I think I'm being conservative. Some people would put him as a top three or four quarterback. I would be conservative and say he's certainly in the top six, but a very, very good player in the absolute prime of his career. Question one, what's left of his career question two if anything where
0: and we don't have anything to go on it's interesting that after it felt like april 21st or 22nd somewhere around there was when both lawyers met in court and they were throwing things at each other as lawyers do and then that was it we haven't heard anything since then the latest of anything is that four of the 22 women have met with the national football league and cooperated with doing that which means at the very least the nfl have to sit down with Deshaun watson and question him about the situation and it and it leads one to believe that if the four have already gone to the national football league that a settlement a mass settlement isn't something that deshaun watson's lawyers are looking at maybe they want to Keep pursuing this in court. As of now, it looks like the lawyer's on both sides. We want to progress forward with everything. Well, we don't know how long that's going to take. And as you know from being a, a lawyer, these things hit. take a
1: long time. When you talk about athletes and how much money they make and how much money they spend, and you know, well, you can never have enough. What's he going to do with it? We you know Deshaun Washington signed a mammoth contract. But just think for a minute the amount of money and legal fees alone he's going to have to pay, regardless of this outcome. Because the meter's running in cases like this every day. Rusty's working on this case. And his firm every day of every week, of every month, for as long as it goes on. Not to mention, whatever, if they wind up being and I'm, I'm assuming at some point in time, because not because this is what I do for a living, but you know, most people realize, just in reading and listening following, that the vast majority of all civil cases are settled. This has the potential to cost him a small fortune, based on the number of cases and the allegations and the legal fees and the fact that he's not playing. I don't know what he's been doing with his money. Hopefully, he's been saving it because it looks like, regardless of the outcome, good, bad, or indifferent, that with respect to the rainy day, it has come for Deshaun Watson. Because his earning capacity has taken a huge hit. And that's not just on the field. His off-the-field earning capacity has taken a massive hit. Right now, he is poisoned. Until further notice. One of the reasons
0: this hasn't been mainstream as it was a couple weeks ago was the draft, of course, the Aaron Rodgers news, which is still simmering. And a couple days ago, the news the of the schedule and then the news of what we joked about last week, Actually, coming to as close to fruition as it can when it was reported that the Jaguars plan to sign Timothy Richard Tebow to a one year deal. Former Met Farmhand. Former Met Farmhand. Former AFC wild card winning Tim Tebow that too. with the Denver play a little Broncos. football. Play some football for this coach. 10 year plus anniversary of t bowing randomly around the campus of the University of Scranton at some local
1: establishments. Look, the speech after they lost when he got up at the podium in his uniform is, is one of the all-timers. It's a classic, an absolute classic. My son had it on his phone, you know, for inspiration. It, it was only, I don't know if it was 90 seconds, but that's what it's all about. That's why you play sports. That 90 seconds is what we all want. All we ever bitch about is with the hugging and the kissing and the fraternizing and the smiling. Nobody cares. It's all the hugs and high fives all around. After, after After you beat somebody. Looking for somebody to hug as soon as the game's over. Jim Valvano. Exactly. You know, be no big deal of losing. This kid's up on the podium, in his pads, grass-stained, mud, eye black all over his face, telling the world, I promise you, this is never going to happen again. You're going to get everything I've got, as God is my witness, that this won't happen again. That's a leader. That's somebody who wants to do nothing but compete to win. Followed by the locker
0: room, 30 win. minutes for the rest of our lives speech, which obviously wasn't a planned speech that he knew was going to be recorded, but that's also 1A that's to what, his podium speech.
1: That is what supposedly we all want in our guys and our gals and our teams. We want them to compete like every game is the last game. And I understand there are exceptions. You know, you're in 50 games under 500. You know, 15 and 60 in the last week of the NBA season. 15 and 65. Okay, I understand. But from a football standpoint, where every game matters, where you are a team that is always on the cusp, As the Gators were, you saw a kid who losing a game to him was unacceptable and telling you that he's sorry he let you down and that he's never, if it's within his powers, he's never going to let you down again for lack of effort. You're always going to get everything he's got to give you. What else can you ask for? This wasn't after a slump. This is what, uh, uh, you know, after they were, this is if they lost a game, one game. That's what champions are made of. Tim Tebow is a champion. He is, by all accounts, a pretty good kid, young man, pretty cool dude. I like listening to him when he talks SEC football. He knows what he's talking about. He's been there, he's done that at the highest level. Obviously, he is always, I don't want to say in the midst of controversy, but he generates opinions because he is very religious. He's not afraid or embarrassed to tell you that he believes in God, that he thanks God, that he worships God, and that God is on his shoulder, and it's important to him. And I have no problem with it. But. Because he's not embarrassed about it. He doesn't ram it down your throat. He doesn't tell you, you gotta be that way. He's not afraid to show you, this is how I am. This is me. I don't think there's a phony bone in his body. I think he wants to compete, to go out and try to do what he did. Look, it takes balls to go out there and do what he did with the Nets. You think it's easy to do of all, he hit the ball a long fucking way. That's number one, and that's incredibly hard to do. You think it's easy to hit 200 in the minor leagues? It's not easy to 200 anywhere. To go out and play professional baseball and be relatively competent at it, even if you were a bad minor leaguer, it's in home runs. It's not an easy thing to do. That's an incredible athlete, and it takes a huge amount of guts to go out there and not be afraid to fail at something you haven't done in years and something you know that everybody else is way ahead of you because they've been doing it for years and you haven't even though you were good at it at a time because you're only holding yourself up to massive criticism. He's unafraid of being himself and I'm cool with that. I don't have to like everything he does. I don't have to like His beliefs, I don't have to like his opinions, but he is respectful about it. He is honest about it. He's never nasty about it. He's kind. He's charitable. This is a perfect example of we don't have to agree to get along. And this is where we've moved so far away from in our country. Because the days of we can agree to disagree are gone. We have to disagree and hate. We have to disagree and fight. We have to disagree and show no ability whatsoever to bargain. And reach agreements where we meet each other halfway. Where we give and when we take. We have to chase a fellow congresswoman down and scream at her. And verbally attack her. That's where we are on Capitol Hill. That's where we are on the streets. That's where we are on the internet. Sometimes that's where we are in sports talk. But the point is, this is a guy who's never done anything on our watch to hurt a soul. All he's done is be honest, be a leader, be a role model. And if Urban Meyer wants to give him a shot, that's Urban Meyer's business. And that's the Jacksonville Jaguars' business. And if it doesn't work out, what's the harm? They were the worst team in football. They're going to get worse because they gave Tim DeBoer a try to tight it end. Somebody throw me down a fucking line. What am I missing here?
0: Oh, but he's taking a spot from somebody else that could have earned it, Al. What gives him the right for somebody that's grinded their whole career and this guy just gets to waltz in from baseball and take somebody's spot and job? Why put that in your locker room? Why? Who? Well, obviously the Hall of Fame starting tight end that was going to prove himself and make the team if it wasn't for Tim Teeth. He hasn't made the team. He hasn't even been signed yet. <laughs> it hasn't even happened yet. Exactly. Put what you said about where we stand with discussion and debate in all capital letters. Because all this shit started in the early days before there was 30 plus million dollars thrown at these dudes feet to talk sports on first take. Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless beat this Tim Tebow discussion into the ground every day for years, every Monday after every game and till Tuesday and Wednesday, and then ramp it back up at the end of the week. Cause he's playing again on Sunday. He went from a beloved college football player by Florida fans and just general fans in college football for how he carried himself and how much he won to all of a sudden this scapegoat for how dare you X. And it was either, how dare you think you could play quarterback in the NFL? How dare you think you could be as open as you are about your religion and your beliefs? How dare you speak the way you do and carry yourself the way you do. And it made no sense to make this the main focus of sports.
1: Brother, Every
0: is- single Day for
1: years This is the Stephen A. Smith Who once said On The sports reporters About a team Kicking a field goal That they should have kicked the field goal on Third down Because if they missed it they could try it again Heard it with my own ears Sports reporters Mike Lupica at all. I don't know why they're trying to kick it out there down. Missing can kick it again. Uh, what?
0: What? Still in the NBA mindset, must have been on the show.
1: Max Kellerman. Asking the world, his soldiers on ESPN radio. All the best athletes played shortstop. If Don Mattingly was such a great athlete, why didn't he play shortstop when he was young? Uh, maybe because he's left fucking handed. <laughs> That's when I picked up the phone and called ESPN radio and spoke to the general manager and demanded a shot. And he gave me a trial. I was going to let me do weekends before he moved up the ladder. And the guy who took over for him kicked me. In the curb. I said, did you, hear what you, did, did you hear what your midday guy just said? Did you hear what he just said? He just asked the world why Don Man, if Don Manavent was such a good athlete, why didn't he play shortstop? Because all the best athletes, when they're young, play shortstop. Last time I checked, Max, it's okay to be left handed in boxing, but there ain't no left handed shortstops. Not since the glory
0: days of Little League, are you going to see a left handed shortstop? It's, it's my, you know, and Michael
1: Woodbuck's going to the Hall of Fame this weekend. For what? For what? By calling me a knucklehead, which I never took, whatever. Which I never took. To. I love Tony Kornheiser, and it's a great show. But when he closes and says and calls us knuckleheads, I'm like, fuck you. How am I a knucklehead? I got to watch your ball dome every night, right? And and like you're some savant, some basketball savant. Where did that come from? Also, your closed playoff games with Michael Wilbon's thoughts. Who'd he play for? Mean streets of Chicago. Who's was he dunking over that ball dome of his? How many knuckleheads did he take down low? We know a jump shot from a jump stop. Enough already. Michael Wilbur's going to the Hall of Fame. For what? Don't get it. Payless is still, still making a fortune. $34 I for million. Dollars. I give Skip credit for one thing. He follows as many people on Twitter as I do. He's got a gazillion followers. But he follows the same amount of people on Twitter as I do. Zero. Smart fellow, Skip. Smart fellow. Let's take a quick break to
0: pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but there are college football players who were unanimous Hall of Fame inductees to either their school or the sport that came into the National Football League and sucked. This is not the first rodeo of a quarterback or any other position player, but people like to focus in on the quarterbacks for this, where it just didn't work out. And they don't become, except for one, these villains because they couldn't cut it in the National Football League. Ryan Leaf's name gets brought up. I would love to Google how many times a year if he made a dime off of his name being thrown out when the draft comes around, he'd triple what he earned in the league. But you look at some of the bigger names that I watch play that just didn't make it. We used to bust Vince Young that he was working customer service at the Best Buy because he just disappeared out of the league. He played in the best game in college football history, arguably. Took down USC. The other quarterback on the other side, Matt Leinart. How's his NFL career? He's sitting at the desk on Saturdays next to Brady Quinn, who just fell down the draft. Was one of the first guys that decided to go to New York and pick after pick after pick, just stumbling out of the first round and into nothingness. Stunk in the National Football League. Now they got jobs next to Tim Tebow,
1: Johnny Manziel. We Smith? know,
0: out, gone, didn't make it. The list, Sam Bradford made more than like $130 billion in the National Football League. Doing what? Tearing his Didn't knee hurt. open? Ripping up his ankle?
1: $122
0: million contracts for Sam M-I-M. Bradford. Sam AJ McCarron, his most famous moment was when his girlfriend was in the stands and Brent Musburger drooled all over himself because they put her on TV. We could go Tim on. Cow- Colt McCoy, Co- he's still in the league. Who's paying Tim- Colt McCoy to throw the football? Texas Tim legend. Couch. Tim Couch. Tim Keely Couch. Keely Smith. Where's he? Where's he doing? Tim Couch
1: sitting on first, the couch. First draft pick of the new Browns. Keely Smith. Remember Keely Smith? Where have they gone? Keely Smith. Hello, Keely. Walter Keely. Oregon. Keely Smith. Jamarcus Russell.
0: Do you weigh 360? He could throw it a mile from he his knees. Throw, he could throw But he's he not, throw not getting it the up, up of the for a reason. He's
1: he could run, run the length of the
0: field, but he could throw it the length of the field. He's on his knees because he's winded. That's why he's throwing it the length of the field like he is. He can't get up. A certain he's the trophy
1: winner from Houston, who is now in the booth.
0: Why Tim Tebow became the target of vitriol for not being great as a quarterback? for being compared to, can you imagine this guy's not playing anymore? And he is. And of course this time around Colin Kaepernick's name gets brought up again. He can't get in the always league, will. And here comes it Tim Tebow will. in the league always will. and the wheel spins and spins and will continue to spin. If the Jaguars do sign him, I will say urban Meyer is probably doing something twofold here. He knows Tim Tebow is a physical monster. Still, I don't know if he can catch. That would be a problem if he can't. But if he can catch a couple passes, check that box off. Another box that gets checked is this has completely taken away any discussion and focus from the number one pick in the NFL draft, Trevor Lawrence. We have brought his name up since draft night.
1: It lets him fade into the background. If that's possible. If he wants that, at too, least Trevor for a while, Lawrence. but hey. at least for a while. What Urban Meyer has created is a distraction, exactly. from the attention on his. I mean, look, many people have called him one of the three or four most NFL-equipped quarterback in history. Mel Kuyper has said it. You know, and look, I like I said, I love Mel. I've told you before, the three quarterbacks I saw most ready for ready for the pros in my lifetime, ironically, all from Stanford: Jim Plunkett, John Elway, and and uh, Andrew Luck. Those are the three guys I saw most and complete NFL ready to go out there and compete on Sundays. immediately. Dan Marino was close, but Marino regressed his senior year. That's why I never, I never thought Dan Marino was going to suck. Did I know Dan Marino was going to be that? No, I didn't. And his stock dropped in the draft because rumors surrounding. Uh, certain alleged, rumored use of a controlled substance, which was very popular during that time frame, and his his senior year was not what his prior years had been. Even though he was fine and it was a first round pick, and there were guys taken ahead of him who obviously didn't have anything remotely resembling his pro careers. He's a still at number five for me all time that I've seen. This is not an exact science. Guys have been smart enough to say the chances are, you know, of, of the guys drafted in the first round, half of them aren't going to make it, you know, from the quarterback standpoint. You know, they're not going to be stars. They may not even be remotely resembling average, like Brady Quinn and many others we just missed, like Keely Smith. Um, so many have failed and drafted so incredibly high. Tim Tebow just wants to play because Tim Tebow loves to compete and he is not afraid. He's not afraid to be told you're not good enough. He's not afraid to be told you suck. He's not afraid to have people say, You're taking somebody's spot. He's not afraid to have people laugh at him and say, Come on, man. Are you kidding me? Tight end? Really? Come on. He has no. Fear. He has nothing but genuine desire to succeed and achieve. And he continually shows that at whatever he tries his hand at, he is unafraid of failure. And I admire that. And if he doesn't make the team, so be it. He tried. I'm not going to laugh at him. I'm not going to make fun of him. I am going to admire the fact that he was willing to put himself out there. Because this is not a guy off the street who the world is going to laugh at and say, I told you so to. Maybe his friends of the guy who tried it off the street. But the Stephen A. Smiths and the Skip Palaces of the world. We'll be screaming, I told you so, from the highest mountain. Like it takes a genius to do that. Got to get the clicks. Got to get the ratings. Like it takes a literary scholar to do that. Like we really need to retweet that. Stephen A. Told you Tebow didn't belong. Skip Payless. My Cowboys never would have tried that. Could you steer it? Nonsense, complete and utter nonsense from talking dreads, talking dreads who make fortunes to move their lips and fill the world through TV, radio, social media, Twitter with utter and complete nonsense, bullshit to get followers to say and hear said, did you hear what he said? Did you tweet what he, did you see his tweet? Let's retweet that. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? When I talk about sports, I'm talking about sports from my head and from my heart. Not so somebody can say, gee, did you hear what he said? I say it because I feel it and I think it. Not because it's bullshit. That I want somebody else to repeat just for it to be repeated. Nonsense. Shame on all of them who don't get it. Anyone know something? I really don't think they fucking get it. I don't think they do. I don't think they've got a fucking idea of what it's all about. Because they churn out bullshit. Show after show. After show, oh, well, you know, time to go and do a show. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Talk about the real deal. Talk about what's really happening. Don't be a fucking blowhard. It's all. It's easy not to be a blowhard. You have to try to be an ass. It takes effort.
0: I've never understood the time and the energy. And the effort to tear that dude down every day for years. And not just the performance on the field, which was the main, it's the main talking point about what's wrong with it. It's not just, well, he had a bad game this week. It's let's topic tree six, seven, or eight different ways and rhymes and reasons that we could fill a whole show with how this guy played on Sunday against whatever team it is in whatever game of the year it is.
1: Here's the, here's the easiest way to put it for you. Who's going to be a father someday. And for me, who's the a father of a 21 year old. I love one, anything. In the world. How can you not point to Tim Tebow and say, his father's got to be incredibly, incredibly proud. How can you not point to Tim Tebow and say, if that's my son, I must have done something right. How can you not watch the way Tim Tebow competed and said to your son or daughter, watch him? That's how you do it. That's how you compete. You fight like hell. You play your ass off. You lead your team. You're jubilant when you win. You're heartbroken when you lost. But yes, you do shake the other guy's head at the end of the day matter what. That's the way it's supposed to fucking be. Period. End of story. How you criticize that is beyond me. How you don't like that is beyond me. Because if you don't like it, you don't get it. You're lost. Absolutely and completely lost. Because that's what we always bitch about, our guys and gals. Don't give us. You can't have it both ways. You can't whine and bitch about lack of effort and not caring and then whine and bitch about him. What the fuck do you want? He gives you everything you say you don't cut. So wake up and stop being critical of what you say you want. And as a fan
0: at the bar with your buddies, watching the game, watching sports, I don't know how you just can't appreciate it for what he's been able to do you win two national championships at the highest level playing college football. You make the NFL, you go to play baseball and try that out. You come back to the NFL, try that out again. You marry miss universe or whatever her impressive title is in the process. And you do it just about unblemished living an athlete's dream Being able to play the sport, then commentate as an analyst for the sport, then get an opportunity to maybe try one more time to do it because you're still young enough to give it a shot.
1: And remember, always under the microscope and and never being afraid to fail.
0: And why can't you say, hey, if I was in his shoes, that's the dream. I got to play up until high school and that was it for my career you're telling me that if somebody laid that out for you on a platter and said, well, you could take this route as well. You would jump on that in a second. That's what I don't understand. We've watched so many poor players and teams play football and have awful games and awful careers, unfortunately, week after week. We're begging some weeks on this show for guys to just be able to throw for a touchdown and score some damn points in this league where you're able to drop 38 in two quarters. Why just put the microscope on one person That didn't do it to the standards that you expected him to do it as when so, so, so many have failed to do so before and will do it after. I don't understand it because he's either going to not make the team that'll blow up. And if he does make the team, that's when it won't stop because every game, what's he doing? How many receptions did he even play? Let's criticize this random block in the second quarter that he missed or he's on the practice squad. Let's go to our reporter to see how he's been progressing at this new position. It's going to be the narrative up until cut day. If they do end up signing him and maybe and Urban Myers said here, to Trevor Lawrence, Hey man,
1: you're off the hook. We will be here week after week leading the defense team. Absolutely. Because that's what the new report and the old report is about justice in sports, truth in sports, Discussion of sports and the proper way to talk about each side of a story and in between with fairness, with passion, and with honesty. No bullshit, no made up garbage. No, let's throw it up against the wall and see if it sticks. No, let's say this and see what kind of reaction we can get, even though we have no desire or we have no no thought that it's what we really think. What you get here is what we think from top to bottom, from the head to the heart to the soul. That's why we do this program, because we do it with passion, not with bullshit. Leave the others to the bullshit and the Twitter followers and then you hear what he just said, let me retweet it. How many followers have I got? Did I get credit for that? Did you hear what I said? No, no, no. Not here. Uh Uh-uh. That's not what we're about. Until next week, for my co-host, the one and only John Tinewan, I am El Renato E.K.L. from White Plains. This has been New Report, All Report. Have a great sports weekend, everybody.